Well, <laughs> good morning, everyone, and welcome to a service that is 200 years uh, in the making, if not really 202 years in the making, uh, as we had this thing uh, called a pandemic uh, that hampered our first efforts at this in 2020. If you can't tell, this service is for the glory of our God. Already, hopefully, you can hear the beauty and the power and the majesty that we want to give to our God. It is devoted to his faithfulness and recounting how good he has been to this congregation and this place. As Exodus 34, 6 and 7 describes God's character, and this is his words to Moses describing himself. He says, The Lord, the Lord of God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Those verses are quoted over and over again throughout Scripture, and this, this little church and this small town in Alabama has experienced and enjoyed God's steadfast love and faithfulness over many, many generations. So this service is about how good our God is. This is to him and for him. Even so, uh, there are a number of people to introduce and thank. First, we are so grateful to have Keith and Kristen Getty and their string quartet uh, here and their children here worshiping with us too. And I, I first heard their music, I want to say it was in the early 2000s when I was finishing up in seminary and their work and their music has been a constant in my life for what seems like two decades. As, and as it often seems to me, and maybe it does to you too, uh, especially when we close uh, with one of their, their tunes at, at the end of the service. Their hymns exceed my sermons because they take far less time to preach, and they do so in a far more beautiful way. So we are so blessed to have you all here. We're so thankful for them. And the second, we have Dr. Ligon Duncan here, and for my money, he is one of the most important churchmen of our times. He is a, a gifted scholar, theologian, pastor, and preacher, and he leads uh, the premier reformed educational institution in the United States, uh, if not the world. So I am so thrilled that he is here uh, preaching the word this morning and not maybe even a little intimidated that he is up here with us. Now, much thanks go to Warren and Sally Williamson, uh, Mary Rogers and Calvin Poole, Leah Ellis, Frank Bentley, Catherine Smith, and Angie uh, Meredith for all the work they have put in stretching back to two years to make uh, today a reality. But before we begin, uh, it's so dangerous to be a pastor with a microphone and not preaching. He gets it. Um, <laughs> let me just say a few moments, uh, take a few moments to, to briefly recount some of the interesting points of this church's history because it is 202 years old. Uh, this church was founded in 1820 as the Hopewell Presbyterian Church 
and it was the first religious body in Greenville. It was founded the same year as the city of Greenville was incorporated, and for context, the state of Alabama was one year old when this church came into existence. And on that first Sunday, seven people heard the proclamation of the gospel, received the Lord's Supper, and then were organized as a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in the USA. Now, it would be five years from that Sunday before they would have another pastor. And the man would be uh, known as Reverend George McWhorter, who reorganized the church in 1825. Now, the original building uh, stood until 1884 when it burned to the ground. And this, this current building was erected from 1885 to 1886, and it's undergone, as you can imagine, multiple uh, renovations and additions, most recently from 2012 to 2014. During the Civil War, Union forces uh, used the original building as a dead house for their deceased soldiers, and the church bell that still hangs uh, in the tower to this day still is used from time to time. Uh, it was purchased in 1869, for $12.50. We have session records in the office. You can go see them. The date back to 1911. They had ones that went all the way back to the 1830s, but they were, they were lost. And we have a history that was written about that same time, chronicling all the way back uh, to the 1830s. And so I just went looking this week. Here's an example from a session meeting, that is the grouping of the elders when they come together, from March 31st, 1912, so roughly 110 years ago. And it's a report, uh, it's titled Statistics and Systematic Beneficence, that is church numbers and the budget. Uh, they, they note that there were four elders at that time, two deacons, two people had transferred their membership to the church from other churches with no baptisms or conversions from the previous year for a total of 34 members, and they were very proud about that. They spent $15 on Sunday school, $175 on the pastor, and $45 went to what they called the presbytery tax, which was just money that goes towards the presbytery for a grand total budget of $220. So uh, this church has seen a little bit of inflation over that time. And as you run through those records in the history, what is so fascinating is you begin to see family names that are recognizable starting to pop up. In fact, you could go through and start to see Polaroids uh, in the 1960s or other pictures from the 1950s. But if you jump ahead to 1973, this church was one of the founding members of the newly formed Presbyterian Church in America which turns 49 years old this year, with Jack Williamson being the denomination's first moderator and one of the most influential and important men uh, in the denomination throughout the next three decades. And his influence and wisdom, he is still spoken about as a presbytery. Men still reflect upon his influence, especially his work with the Book of Church Order. It's, it's still felt to this day. So if you go through them, while most of the names in those records, frankly, I, I'm still an outsider here. Uh, I'm technically a Yankee, I guess you'd say. Um, while most of those names are a mystery to me, as well as if you go around the sanctuary, if you go around the building, you'll find names attached to certain people donated or they were given in memory of people. They are a mystery to me. They are known to God. And they belong to him. 
It's like Isaiah says in, in chapter 40 of his great book. He says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So all of us here, despite our Sunday best today, well, we're like grass, and the flower will one day wither and die. But our God is faithful, and he is good. And like the generations that have come before us, all 200 years of them, he has promised us life forever with him, and he has made good on that promise through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus the Christ. Our God is a covenant-keeping God, and he has stayed faithful to this place and to this people. He holds us in his hands. With that said, let me invite you to open up your bulletin and find these words of preparation. From Psalm 36, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, your righteousness is like the mountains of God, your judgments are like the great deep, man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Let us pray. God, our Father, you are the covenant-keeping God. You are faithful, good, and full of steadfast loving kindness. You are holy and wonderful and awesome to behold. And yet, you have sought after strangers and enemies to be your family. You have invited the broken, the weary, the apathetic, those mired in sin, those full of doubts and shame to come into your courts, to share at your table, and to, to enjoy your presence forever. Despite how beautifully we are adorned this morning, that's who we are, and we are here. We can enjoy this moment with you because of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our friend, and our Redeemer. He has made us whole. He has made us clean. He has brought us to you. So we ask, bless us with your presence through the Holy Spirit this morning. Knit us together in Christ through the Spirit. May you be glorified, and may we enjoy you forever. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus through the ministry of the Spirit. Amen. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again, who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power 
upon my heart My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside who floods my weaknesses with strength and causes fears to fly whose every promise is enough for every step I take sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace my heart is filled with thankfulness to him who reigns above whose wisdom is my perfect peace whose every thought is love for every day i have on earth is given by the king so i will give my life my all to love and follow him oh to love and follow him please stand as your god calls you to worship him let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him? Let us sing together in Christ alone. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, and my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comfort. My all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on the cross as jesus died the wrath of god was satisfied forever 
on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live there in the ground his body lay light of the world by darkness slain then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since God has lost its grip on me for I am his and he is mine but with the precious blood of in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, and no power of hell, no scheme of love, can never pluck me from his hand, till he or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand and no power of hell no scheme of love can never block me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand Let us pray. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are all the corners of the earth and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it. And his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down and kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is the Lord, our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our friend taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our profession of faith this morning is specifically about how God has been faithful to us. And we're looking at, or using, I should say, Psalm 90, Psalm 46, Exodus 34, Matthew 16, and a little bit of the Heidelberg Catechism. Mm -hmm. 
Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all the generations. You, O Lord, have been a dwelling place for us and our children. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You, O Lord, have been with us these 200 years. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. There is no God like you, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You, O Lord, have built your church in this place and have been faithful generation after generation. What is our only comfort in life and death? My only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Let's continue in worship with Christ our hope in life and death. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to Him belong. Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep? us to the end the love of Christ in which we stand oh sing hallelujah our hope spreads eternal oh sing hallelujah now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death What truth can calm the troubled soul? God is good, God is good. Where is his grace and goodness known? In 
in our great Redeemer's blood Who holds our faith when fears arise Who stands above the stormy trial Who sends the waves that bring us nigh Unto the shore, the rock of Christ Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death. Unto the grave. What shall we sing? Christ, he lives, Christ, he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. There we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast in endless joy. When Christ is ours forevermore, oh, sing hallelujah, our hope spreads eternal, oh, sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ our hope in life and death, oh, sing Please be seated. Alec Moyer, in his commentary on Isaiah 17, writes, The people of God cannot be made secure by worldly power, nor when they depart from sole reliance on the Lord can they bring a blessing to the world. And our perpetual temptation, even on days like today, is to lose sight of God to place our hope or our confidence or to look for pleasure or status or whatever in something other than him. And when we do that, we deviate from our calling to glorify him and to enjoy him and in turn, our calling to be a blessing to our families and to our neighbors, even to the very ends of the earth. So we're not here this morning to celebrate our faithfulness to God. No, if I have a feeling in in the days leading up to this, maybe even today there might have been some contention or maybe even some arguments in getting ready to come to this this beautiful day. And we know how this works. We're here, we're beautiful, we have on our smiles, but maybe in the car ride over, there might have been a little dissent. Who's to say, right? But if you're anything like my family, that might have been the case. No, we're not here to celebrate our faithfulness. We are here to celebrate God's faithfulness to us. 
And in his faithfulness to us and his kindness and his long-suffering with us, he invites us to find life in him, to confess our sin to him, and in turn, because we belong to Christ, to move beyond feelings of guilt or remorse, as important as they are, and to actually repent and to set our hearts on him and to walk in his ways. So your God invites you in this time to come together as one people and confess our sin to him and to find freedom in him. So brothers and sisters, let us confess our sins together. Lord, we have sinned without considering how much you love us. You see our sins more clearly than we can ourselves. Lord, you know when we are indifferent to your word, how often we forget to pray, the times we come unwillingly to worship, and yet we turn to you when we are in trouble. Lord, you know when we are untruthful and when we think evil of others. You see our anger and unfairness to our friends and how we speak about them. You know how hard it is for us to forgive. Forgive us and make us clean so that we can obey your call to take up your cross and follow you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Having confessed together as one people, which is what we are, let's now go individually and silently and confess our sins to our God. Let's do that now. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn us? Only Christ, and Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Sing together, he will hold me fast. When I fear my faith will fail, 
Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail. He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold. Justice has been satisfied, he will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till my faith is turned to sight, when he comes at last, he will hold Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have promised to answer the request that we bring to you in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus the Christ. And he teaches, as do his apostles, that we are to gather in his name with the promise that he will be in our midst through the ministry of the Spirit and that he will be our intercessor before you. That is why we pray to you now, Father, with the confidence that your Son intercedes for us even now. And Father, Paul teaches in 1 Timothy that we should pray for those you have set in authority over us as superiors and governors. So we, we pray for them right now. 
for the president, his cabinet, senate, the house, the supreme court, and those who run various governmental institutions. We pray for our governor and our mayor, all those who represent the people of Alabama and Montgomery, as well as the city council here in Greenville. May their hearts be like streams of water in your hands as you direct them where you want them to go. And even as you have been faithful to this church these past 200 plus years, we pray your continued faithfulness to the churches of this whole town, this whole county. We pray for this presbytery that is 37 years old and for our denomination that again is turning 49 years old this year and all those, those who labor within it, especially our missionaries. We pray for the peace and purity of our denomination as we have faced hard questions of recent and faced contention these last years with perhaps more to come. And yet you have been faithful to the PCA and we pray you would continue to be so even as we ask for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we know our denomination is tiny in terms of all the Christians, all your people across the world. So we pray for your people, your church, no matter where they may be or what tradition they belong to. May they seek your face today in spirit and in truth. And we pray especially for our brothers and sisters who are enduring persecution right now or who are in war zones or just facing really difficult situations. We pray that you would comfort them. Now, there are many in this congregation who are struggling, some with disease, some with trauma, some with depression or anxiety, some with memories they just can't shake. And all of us here are dealing with sin in some form or fashion. So we ask that you would bless your people in this place. And this small, out-of-the-way church, that you would bless us with your continued presence. Continue to heal and comfort us. Work in our hearts and our minds to shape us to yourself so that we might love you most. As we have prayed for years here, we aren't concerned with numerical growth, though that's really fun when it happens, so much as we want to grow into maturity. And I know for a fact, having looked at the records, generations going back 100 years have been praying that same prayer. So Lord, we ask, honor that request, even as we know you have promised to do it. Lord, you are so good. Your steadfast love endures forever. And now as the men come forward to receive your tithes and offerings, we pray that you would use these gifts to forge your kingdom and bring many people to faith. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be the glory now and forever. Amen. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. 
If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 90. Uh, we've already read portions of it in the call to worship. And as you turn there and reflect upon those words, I do want to thank the pastor and the elders of the congregation for the privilege of being with you here on this very happy occasion. I bring greetings from your younger sister congregation in Jackson. We were established only in 1837, so we're 17 years younger than you. I got to celebrate the 175th anniversary of First Jackson about a decade ago, and so we'll never catch up with you. Uh, you're, you'll always be a few steps ahead, and so we rejoice with you on this occasion. I'm also, I, I was born and reared in Greenville, uh, in the county of Greenville in South Carolina, uh, where the first settlers of this 
city came from and for whom this city is named Greenville. Ann and I were actually reading the history of Greenville, Alabama on the way over uh, yesterday from Jackson and I discovered this. I've been here before but I did not know the connection to Greenville, South Carolina and so that's especially uh, uh, nice to be able to be with you knowing that particular connection. But as your pastor has already said, these kinds of events are not an op opportunity to celebrate us or our faithfulness. I, I know that your heart is not, we're 200 years old or 202 years old now, aren't we awesome? The, uh, the message, of course, is God is awesome. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to pause and reflect upon him and give thanks to him for who he is and what he has done for us. It's very interesting how often that happens in the Old Testament. In very significant points in people's lives, it's, it's almost as if God pulls up a chair and says to someone who's been following him for many years, let me tell you about myself again. You know, that happens to Abram in Genesis 17. Uh, Abram has been walking with the Lord for about 50 years. The Lord had promised him in the very first days of his discipleship that he was going to give him a son. And 50 years later, he still doesn't have a son. And his faith is struggling. He believes God's word, uh, but his faith is struggling because he's been waiting for half a century for the Lord to fulfill his promise. And you remember what God does in Genesis 17:1. He begins by saying, Abram, I am God Almighty. It, it's as if he says, Abram, let me tell you a few things about myself. You're struggling with your faith? Let me tell you a few things about myself. I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. I'm the God who can do anything. And that's what happens in the psalm that we're going to look at today. In Psalm 90, Moses reflects upon who our God is. Now, if I were going to preach the whole psalm for you today, and you'll be mightily relieved to know that I am not, I would outline it this way. Verses 1 to 6 tell us that God is our help, hope, and home. Verses 7 to 11 tell us that God is holy. And verses 12 to 17 tell us that God hears. He hears our prayers. What I want to concentrate on today will be that first section where, and I'll just use Isaac Watts' uh, exposition. You remember the wonderful hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past, Our Hope for Years to Come, Our Shelter from the Stormy Blast, and Our Eternal Home. Help, Hope, Home. He's just expounding the first verses of Psalm 90 in that rendering that he, beautiful rendering that he wrote. I want to camp on the, those realities which are expounded in verses 1 to 6, and then I, I simply want to work through the prayer at the end of the psalm with you, because that's really where the psalm is going. Everything else sets up the prayer at the end, and it's a prayer that I'm going to pray for you individually and as a congregation, and I want you to see how you can appreciate that prayer for you and pray it for yourselves and for one another in the days ahead. So that's the three parts of the psalm. The most important thing I'll do is, of course, read God's word to you. Uh, when you hear the word of God read 
in a Christian service of worship, you're hearing something that over four billion people on this planet have never heard. The word of God as a means of grace read in a public service of Christian worship. It's really a treasure to be able to hear the word of God read in public. So before we read it, let's ask for God's help and blessing. Heavenly Father, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The grass withers, the flowers, they fade and they fall, but your word stands and it stands forever. Sanctify us with truth, your word is truth. All scripture is given by inspiration. It's God-breathed and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that we may be equipped for every good work. So speak, Lord, your servants listen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the word of God. Hear it in Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or thou didst give birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou dost turn man back into dust, and dost say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are like yesterday when it passes by or as a watch in the night. Thou hast swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath we have been dismayed. Thou hast placed our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy presence. For all our days have declined in thy fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of thine anger and thy fury according to the fear that is due thee? So, teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for thy servants. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with thy loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days thou hast afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let thy work appear to thy servants and thy majesty to their children, and let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and do confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Amen. And thus ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth upon all our hearts. In the opening words of this psalm, Moses reminds us 
who our God is. He is our help, he is our hope, and he is our home. And that animates our lives and it gets us through the trials that we face. I was reflecting with your pastor before the service began. Just think how much the people of this city and this congregation have gone through in the last 202 years. Just think of the things that have happened to families, the trials and the tribulations, the losses and the crosses, the deaths and the diseases. Think of what this city has seen in the days since 1820, war and rumor of war, sons being sent off to foreign places to fight that they'd never known of before, conflict. The Lord's brought you a long way. And so it's a good time to reflect on the Lord who's brought you here. And the first thing that we're reminded here is that he has been our refuge in all generations. And that's a very comforting thought. When you're facing trial in your own life to remember that God has not only been faithful to you all your years, because what happens when you're in trial is even though he's been faithful to you all your years, you begin to doubt it. You begin to doubt it in the heat of trial. But when you remember that he's been faithful to generation after generation after generation after generation before you, it's a great encouragement. And notice that language. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, God has been faithful for generations. He is our help. You can depend upon his help because he has been faithful to the generations of his people who have gone before us. But he is also our hope. This life is short and it's filled with trials. And it's very easy to lose hope. What is our hope? That we have a God who though we are short, he is long. And the good news is because we hope in a God who outlives us, we have a hope that will outlive us. Here we have no continuing city, but God is our dwelling place and we see a city to come. God is our hope because he is everlasting. He never comes to an end. Our hopes and our designs may come to an end, but God does not come to an end. And so we have a continuing hope, an eternal hope in our God because God is eternal. But of course, the greatest comfort in these verses is found in these words, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Did you catch that? Moses doesn't say that God provided us a dwelling place, that he gave us a dwelling place. He said that the Lord is our dwelling place. The Lord is our refuge. The Lord is the place where we belong. We dwell under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. We reside in him. He is not only our help, he is not only our hope, he is our home. Often, 
we seek refuge elsewhere rather than in the Lord. But this word reminds us that he alone can provide refuge for his children. And he doesn't just provide that refuge, he is that refuge himself. Um, one of my favorite renderings of the 23rd Psalm is Isaac Watts' rendering of that psalm. And the, the way that he paraphrases the final words, that, and that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is like this. There would I find a settled rest while others go and come, not as a stranger or a guest, but like a child at home. Isn't that a beautiful picture of heaven? That when, when you're in heaven as one of God's children, you're not a stranger, you're not a guest, you're like a child at home. I, I can remember in all my years, my, my father died 30 years ago this year. And uh, all the years of his life, he was, I was 32 when he died. All the years of his life, uh, no matter what was going on my, in my life, I thought if I can just get home and cross the threshold of my father's house, everything will be fine. It was the, it was the safest, best place in the world. And Moses is reminding you that God is your home. David is reminding you that God is bringing you home in Psalm 23. So God is our help, he's our hope, he's our home. Now what does that lead you to pray? That's what I want us to look at at the end of this psalm. Look especially at verses 12 to 17 and look, we, we could number these petitions different ways. But I, I, I'd just like to walk quickly through what I think are six prayer requests here. The, the, the culminating portion of this psalm are a series of prayer requests that Moses lifts up. And these are things that I'm going to pray for you and that I think you can pray for yourself and for one another. The first one is this. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. What an important prayer request. Uh, many of you will know of the ministry of Tim Keller, and you will know that in the last two years he has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And that's not a good diagnosis to get. That's not a, that's not a cancer diagnosis you want to get. And about uh, eight months ago, Tim and I were talking, and Tim said, Ligon, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm, I'm about 60. Now I'm 61. Uh, and he said, don't assume that you have time. That was a good word for me to hear. Don't assume that you have time. It's very easy to assume that we have time in this life. And the, the first thing that Moses wants us to do is pray that the Lord would teach us to number our days. But to number our days, we really need the instruction of the Lord before we profitably consider that truth. That life is short and eternity is long, and that our only hope is in Jesus Christ. That's something the Lord has to teach us. Some of us can remember when the Lord first taught us that truth. And th there's the first prayer, teach us 
to number our days. Here's the second prayer. Return, O Lord, how long will it be, and be sorry for your servants. This is a prayer for God to remove his just judgment on us. We are born dead in trespasses and sins. We're born deserving God's just judgment for our sins. This is a prayer that God would show mercy to us by his grace. And of course, it's a prayer that can only be answered by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus coming and living in our place and dying in our place that the Lord's grace and mercy is shown upon his people. And so this is a prayer of repentance and it's a prayer for forgiveness but it's a prayer that's only answered through the person and work of Jesus Christ as he dies for us on the cross in our place and stead so that all who rest and trust in him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel might find forgiveness of sins and the welcome into the family of God. And that leads to the third petition, satisfy us, with your loving kindness. Satisfy us with your loving kindness. Perhaps when you were a child, you sang the little song, Thy loving kindness is better than life. Well, this, the, the psalmist is acknowledging here that the only thing that can ultimately satisfy the souls of God's people is his own love for them. It's interesting how Paul picks this up in Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, and he says, Ephesian Christians, I'm praying this for you and for all other Christians. I'm praying that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that an amazing prayer? That you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That you would really be able to take in the loving kindness of God for you. That's the New Testament version of Moses' prayer here. Satisfy us with your loving kindness is a prayer that we would know the loving kindness of God is better than life. The fourth prayer is this, make us glad according to the days that you have afflicted us. That is a very, very important prayer because the Christian life is filled with trials. I, I really think that the whole motto of the Christian life could be summed up in Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, sorrowful yet rejoicing, sorrowful yet rejoicing. There are all sorts of trials and sorrows in the Christian life. But the psalmist is saying, Lord, we've seen hard things, but you can make us glad. Make us glad so that though we sorrow, we still rejoice. One of the, one of the most powerful things to see is a Christian facing great sorrow and yet being able to rejoice in the Lord. You sang the doxology right after the offering was taken this morning. The, the most powerful place I've ever seen the doxology sung was in Blair Batson Pediatric Intensive Care Unit in Jackson, Mississippi, several years ago when Margaret Dubois was holding her dead two-year-old boy in her arms. He had just died. And she looked up at me and she said, Ligon, can we sing the doxology? Now, her heart was broken. She is a mother's heart for her little boy. But she still trusted in the Lord. 
and she was ready. I, I felt like I have no business being in the room with a woman this godly. I just need to get out of here right now. I'm on holy ground. Um, but what she showed me was that she trusted the Lord and that she knew. It was really like Job. You remember Job when he gets the, the report on his children? The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then what's the next thing it says? And he fell down and worshiped God. I was watching Margaret do exactly that in Blair Batson Hospital when she asked to sing the doxology. Sorrowful, yet rejoicing. And it's really a motto of the Christian life, and Moses wants us to pray it. Then, fifth, Lord, let your servants see the work of your hands. Let your work appear to your servants. In other words, Lord, let your servants see your hand at work building your kingdom. Uh, David Dixon, one of the old Scottish preachers, says this, the building, purging, enlarging, and propagating of the church and the manifesting of God's care for it are the Lord's own proper works which he will not leave off. But though he hide his working for a time, yet he is on his work, and his people shall pray for and may expect the manifestation of that work to them. Remember Simeon's prayer in, uh, in, in Luke? Lord, you know, let, I, let me see, let me see your salvation before I die. And then and then when he holds the Messiah in his arms, he says, Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace because my eyes have beheld your salvation. Well, this is the prayer of all God's people that we would see God at work in this world, building his kingdom, bringing all things under the headship of Jesus Christ, that we would be able to see that. I'm, I, I've, I talked to pastors who've gone through the last two years, and so many pastors have been discouraged. It's been a hard, hard two years for pastors. And very often they ask me, where do you, where do you see the hope right now? Where do you see the hope? Because things have been so hard during the pandemic. Well, the, the, the wonderful thing is, by God's grace, I get to see God at work all the time, all around the world. World. And I like to share with those pastors stories of how God is still at work. We need to remind ourselves of that. And we need to have our eyes open to see that because it stokes our hope and it gets us through hard things. Lord, let your servants see your hand at work in the building of your kingdom. And then finally, this prayer, Lord, Prosper the work of our hands. Confirm the work of our hands. In other words, this is a prayer that the Lord would make our life matter, that he would make our work for the Lord in this life matter, that he would make it mean something, that he would use it, that he would use us for his glory. The One old Scottish commentator says, this is a prayer that God would bless the endeavors of his people in promoting God's work among them. Many of you have read the life of C.T. Studd, and he wrote a famous poem that contains this line. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That last prayer is, Lord, prosper the work of my hands. 
use what I do for your glory. Make it last. Make it count. Use it for the sake of Christ. We can spend our lives and our attention on a lot of other things that are going to end up being nothing. But everything that we do in this life for the glory of God and for the sake of Christ will last eternally. So as you look towards your next 200 years, these are going to be the six prayers that I'm praying for you. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer, and let me pray this for you. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home, I want to pray these six prayers for my brothers and sisters here at First Presbyterian Church in Greenville, Alabama. Teach them to number their days. Lord, remind them that life is short and eternity is long and God is holy and the gospel is true. Teach them to number their days. Remove your just judgment from your people and show mercy on them by your grace. Lord, we're all sinners. We deserve to be judged and condemned, but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us, pardon us, accept us, welcome us back into your arms, loving Heavenly Father. Satisfy us with your loving kindness so that we know that your loving kindness is better than life, that we know the love of God that surpasses knowledge down to our bones. I pray this for all these brothers and sisters today. Make us glad even in the days of our affliction, O Lord. We are sorrowful and yet rejoicing in our deepest distress, we ask, O God that you would grant us joy and hope and gladness. Sanctify to us our deepest distress. Lord, let your servants see your hand at work in building up your kingdom. Bring men and women and boys and girls to faith in Christ through the ministry of this church and through the ministry of those sent out from this church. Build your kingdom. Exalt Christ And, O Lord, make our work for you in this life matter. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear the teaching of Christ. A new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. The peace of Christ be with you all. Let's stand together and sing the power of the cross. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary. Tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to a cross of wood. And oh, to see the pain, verse 2. Oh, to see the pain written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin and every bitter thought 
every evil deed crowning your blood-stained brow this the power of the cross christ became sin for us took the blame and the crossed and now the daylight flees now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head curtain torn in two dead or raised to life the victory cry this the power of the cross Christ became sin for us took the blame and bore the wrath we stand forgiven at the cross And oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. And death is crushed to death, and life is mine to live, one through your selfless love. This the Just a reminder, there is a reception to follow. It starts around noon. I think food is being served around noon. Uh, parking is at Stabler Clinic. It's at Warren and Sally's house. Please come. It's going to be a great, great time. Please also know that your God loves you. He delights in you. He likes you and has set his heart on you forever. He is so faithful and good. Now hear this word from him to you as we go out to the places he's called us to be this week. God, go before you to guide you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Be not afraid and let the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon you, settle in around you, and make his home in you. Be not afraid. Go in peace. Amen. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen.
Thank you. That thank you, dear so brother. Good. Thank you. Appreciate Great you. to be with you. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for your steady ministry. Eight years now here or longer? Uh, nine, nine, nine years. Nine, nine years. Yeah. That's tremendous. Thank you. Tremendous. Yeah. And I, I, my roommate.